You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 966 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday morning. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Today's podcast focuses on a 131, yes, 131, to 113 loss for the Hawks at the hands of the Grizzlies this evening in Atlanta. Um, a pretty ugly defensive performance. Overall, that was echoed by Nate McMillan after the game and Solomon Hill and others. They just kind of got pushed in the mouth, and uh, that was the end of that. Obviously, there were some personnel issues that you would certainly attribute a lot of this to. Click Capella missed this game, for instance, but still not a great performance from the Hawks. At the same time, you know, they've, they've won four in a row. They won seven in a row at home. Uh, they were due for one of these nights, probably, especially in this weird pandemic season. So uh, not, a, not, not a disaster. It was not a good performance by any means, and they lose this one. We'll dive into it, as we always do. Um, coming into the game, um, actually both teams on a back-to-back in the spot. In theory, the Hawks should have had a small advantage with the rest because Memphis had to travel last night and the Hawks did not. At the same time, the Hawks have had a pretty ridiculous schedule recently when you, when you factor in the long road trip and all of that, plus the injuries that probably balanced out. Um, and then, in fact, the you know the injuries were probably the biggest storyline in this game, uh, other than just Memphis kind of going crazy in the third quarter. But the Hawks operated without their top four front court players. Um, obviously, coming into the game, we knew that uh, DeAndre Hunter and John Collins were going to miss this game. That was not a surprise at all. They were both ruled out the entire time. But then Gallinari was listed as questionable as of Wednesday afternoon with ankle soreness. And then Click Capella got added to the injury report later in the afternoon on Wednesday, kind of out of the blue at questionable with Achilles soreness. Both those guys were questionable until um, pregame. Nate McMillan came on the uh, pregame Zoom and basically said these guys are both out. And from there, the Hawks went from being about three-point favorites, according to our friends at BetOnline.ag, to one-point underdogs. So that tells you, and I, I think that might have not, not been enough, honestly. I've been on record as saying throughout the season, and honestly even dating back to the offseason, that Click Capella is the second most indispensable player on this Hawks team behind Trey Young. That was very much evident again in this game. The Hawks' defense just falls apart when Capella is not available, and that was definitely the case in this game. So obviously the Hawks have been missing guys all season long, but the top four front court players... Uh, Hunter Collins, Gallinari, and Capella all out, plus Reddish and Dunn. So you're missing six of your top you know, 10 or 11, probably, coming into the season. That's that's not ideal by any means. And they only had 11 guys available overall in this game. Uh, to be fair, Memphis was actually without some key guys as well. De'Anthony Melton, Brandon Clark, Justice Winslow, and Jerry Jackson Jr. are still out for the, for the whole season so far for Memphis. But still, that was the same group they had last night when they beat Miami. So not a huge surprise that they were able to play well in this game. And I think... It was right the Hawks were underdogs, even at home, because of the fact that they were missing so many key guys. So, we'll dive in now to the back and forth. Obviously, the score tells the story in a lot of ways with the offensive performance from Memphis. But in the early going, it was actually going well for the Hawks. <laughs> that was kind of the weirdness about this game. If you just turned on turn on, turn on the second half or maybe saw the box score, you would be shocked to know the Hawks led this game uh, pretty decisively in the first quarter. The game opened up with a nice pass by Trey Young to Bogdanovich for a corner three. And then uh, they actually had some success 
Uh, and, the early, uh, and the early going with Okongwu getting a couple of buckets around the rim. The Hawks led 9-2. Memphis started 1-6 from the floor. The Hawks then led 17-6 uh, after a 3 from Solomon Hill. In fact, Solomon Hill and Okongwu combined for 12 points in the first handful of minutes. They were actually beating the Grizzlies 12-6 with just Hill and Okongwu at that point. And the high-water mark of the night for, for Atlanta was a 25-11 lead after 3 by Bogdanovich. The Hawks were 4-5 from 3 at that point. They had seven assists in about the first seven and a half minutes. They were flying high at 25-11. And uh, from that point forward, the Hawks lost uh, by 32 points. And it was much more, actually more than that. I was almost, I guess, I think I actually got to 40 at one point. Because the Hawks were, yeah, up, up 14 and down 26 in the second half. So a 40-point swing from that point forward. Um, the rotation was fairly similar to what it's been at Obviously, if you extract the fact that they were so shorthanded, essentially it was Nathan Knight as a backup power forward in this game, and Wright was uh, sorry, the backup center in this game because uh, the Hawks were so shorthanded. They actually they, they rolled with nine guys, which was not a huge, not not a huge surprise. It was the seven that had been playing, seven that had been playing, and then you throw in Knight basically as the uh, extra guy who has not been playing a ton. They used Trey Young with Lou Williams in the first quarter, and again in the second half. But the Grizzlies had a 9-2 run to cut it down uh, late in the first quarter. And they got a foul call on Tony Snell at the buzzer. They actually had to go to a, an official review, but ended up standing. And that allowed the Grizzlies to cut the lead from 14 down to 5. That is, uh, you know, it was kind of ominous at the time, but still it wasn't like it was a bad start for Atlanta. They led this game at the end of the first quarter by 5 points. They shot really, they shot really well in the first half um, overall. They had really good offensive numbers overall. Uh, 8 points each from Solomon Hill and Bogdanovich, and then 6 for Okongwu. In the first quarter, Trey Young had five five assists, but uh, everything downhill from there. They started with a, a very 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 small lineup in the second quarter. Again, that was partly it was partly dictated by their lack of depth available in this game. But it was Goodwin and Lou Williams together in the backcourt, which is obviously pretty small. Kevin Herter at the three, Tony Snell at the four, and then Nathan Knight at the five. So essentially, every single player is playing up a position there because. Other than Goodwin or Williams, who you want to say is the, is the point guard there. Um, Herter, obviously more of a pure two guard than a three. Snell is definitely more of a three than a four. And then a Knight's more of a four than a five. So it didn't really work at the outset. The, 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 the Grizzlies scored about the first seven points in the second quarter. And then the Hawks went um, from basically up by 14, like as I said, a four to losing in about six minutes, which is uh, not what you want. The Hawks did have one more flurry left in them offensively. Uh, Tony Snell had a three, then Herter scored, then a four-point play by Snell. So even with the shaky defense at that point in time, that offensive sequence was enough to retake the lead. And the Hawks were 8 of 12 from three. 8 of 12. That means they were, at one point, they were 28 of 43 dating back to Tuesday in about, you know, I guess five and a half quarters. So pretty crazy there, and they cooled off violently from that point forward. Both teams were really, really, really hot at that point, but from there... Um, the Hawks settled in down by three at the half. It was competitive for the most part, even with the late um, sort of drop-off offensively. Defensively, it was bad throughout the game. We'll get into the more numbers of, on that uh, in the second half. But um, offensively, it was good in the first half, like genuinely good. The Hawks shot 52% from the floor. They were pretty good from three. They had seven guys with seven points or more at the half, which is pretty impressive. Nice balance overall. But uh, unfortunately, that was kind of the end of that. Uh, the leading scorer, though, at the half... Was a Nikola Kongwu, and that's a good point. It's a good time to tell you now before we get to the rest of the podcast. It's time to reveal our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, and that is Nikola Kongwu. Kongwu was not great in the second half tonight. I'll be honest with you. I'll talk about that in a second. But before that, he played really, really well 
to start April. This is a five-game week between our Player of the Week honors. So a five-game sample for Okongwu. It was by far his best week, basically, as a Hawk. Uh, he played at all five games. He played a lot of minutes for him recently. He set a career high in back-to-back games for scoring to start April. He's had seven points or more in all five games. And he tied his new he tied his career high at halftime tonight on Wednesday with 11 had a new career high in both points and rebounds in, in this game. Um, you know, his second his second start of his career, obviously, as well. But it's been good to see him making strides with, with a regular role. Now he's expressed confidence, uh, sort of increasing as he sees more time on the floor. And for the week, Akongwu averaged 9.6 points, 6.8 rebounds, and 1.2 blocks per game in 19.9 minutes. Obviously, the future is very bright. Any uh, notion that he's going to be, like, you know, busting out of the league... I think it's been quieted. I'm sure there are some doubters still some somewhere, but uh, I think he was good in the first half of this game. And uh, yeah, just a very, very positive developmental week for Okongwu overall and a good time to award him with the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. In the end, joy creates success and enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. Michelob Ultra and the Ultra Player of the Week is Onyeka Okongwu. All right, and the second half, as you might expect, was not as good as the first half. And most of that was the third quarter. So this this was the point of disaster for Atlanta. It was 43-23 to 23 in the third for Memphis, and that kind of ended the game in the way that it was. And it started out right away, honestly. The Grizzlies came out of the locker room, had a 9-3 run. That made their largest their largest of the night at that point of, of 9. The Hawks called timeout, and both McMillan and Trey Young were not pleased with the officiating at this point in time. Um, and even, I should mention this now, after the game, McMillan brought it up, uh, Solomon Hill brought it up. They were not thrilled with the officiating in this game overall. Obviously, you lose by this much, and no one's going to listen to that necessarily. But Trey Young took two free throws. That's a far less than you would think he would take. Uh, Memphis got, I think, a friendly whistle overall in this game, and the Hawks were frustrated by that. Uh, they let it bother them, I-, I thought, especially in that third quarter. Um, but the the worst collapse, sort of, this sort of ties in here. Um, you know, John Morant had it going for the first time. In fact, it was Morant and Grayson Allen that had 32 points combined in the third quarter to outscore the Hawks by themselves. But the biggest collapse was a 10-0 run by Memphis in about 70 seconds to go from up 11 to up 21. And that was basically the game um, at that point in time. I kind of looked around and was like, all right, well, that's probably going to be the end of this. Um, and that that run featured turnovers by Trey Young and Bogdanovich, and then two missed threes as well, wrapped around four straight buckets from Memphis, including the last two were like pretty ghastly easy buckets after turnovers. It was a collapse. I mean, you call time out there finally, but it was over at that point in time. I'm not sure if they just kind of let the like, let go of the rope or whatever happened there, but that capped what was basically an 85 to 50 extended run for the Grizzlies, going from down by 14 to uh, up by 25 in short order. So, uh, sorry, up, up by 21 in short order. So, you know, that was it was bad. Uh, the third quarter was no, there's no way around it. The Hawks were awful in the third quarter. I don't want to overstate it too much, but defensively it was pretty much a joke in the third. Um, admittedly, Memphis was hot, and that's that's part of this. In the same way the Hawks were, you know, scalding hot on Tuesday, taking advantage of New Orleans' bad defense, and it was kind of a mutually um, beneficial agreement for the Hawks there on Tuesday. It was the same thing here on Wednesday with Memphis. The Hawks were bad defensively, like flat out bad, and especially in the third quarter of this game. From really, really the entire game, at least from the first quarter on. But Memphis was also hot, so that was a bad combination for Atlanta, and that's how you get uh, blasted by 20 points in a quarter. Um, the Grizzlies scored 96 points in the first 31 minutes, just torching the Hawks to the tune of about a 1.45 or so points per possession, which is just ridiculous. Um, there was one brief uh, moment of uh, energy when Nathan Knight came into the game after that. He had a dunk. 
Um, gave them some juice for sure. Actually, got, actually drew a technical foul on Valanciunas and then missed a, missed a dunk, but tried another one that was fantastic. I've, I've said this before on the podcast, but I love that Nathan Knight tries to dunk everything, and that continues at this point in time. I will say he is pretty shaky defensively. I try to be positive about this, but he, he's pretty bad defensively right now, um, which is that, that's sort of the offshoot, and that's probably people always ask why he's not playing more. That's probably the reason. Um, but we see he gave them a lot of energy that, at that point in time. It didn't end up mattering, of course, but you could definitely feel the juice a little bit more when he came in. They cut it down to 18 at one point late in the third, but Memphis just kept scoring every trip, basically. And then actually uh, Trey got a technical foul late in that quarter when he was called for a kind of a weird loose ball foul, got frustrated, got, got called for a tee. The Hawks trailed by as many as 26 in the third, and they were down 110 to 87 after three. So you allow 110 and three quarters, you're not going to win. Um, in the quarter, Memphis shot 65% from the floor and 5 of 9 from 3. As I said before, 32 points combined from Allen and Morant, and the Hawks were 9 of 23 and 1 of 8 from 3. So a bad time to cool off for the Hawks, and also some bad defense and a perfect storm of badness in the third quarter. So from there, it's basically over. It was 25 at one point early in the fourth. They got, they got done with 19, so kind of competitive-ish. And then with 7.27 to go, the Hawks brought Trey Young back in for one more push. Honestly, I wouldn't have done that. I think I would have punted at, at that point in time, given the schedule and the back-to-back. And that game was, it felt over to me in that moment and just the way that they've been able to tax. I guess the counterpoint would be that Trey's not had to play a ton of minutes recently for, by his standards. So they brought him back in for one more push. It didn't work. Um, they were playing an offensive-only lineup with him and Lou t- together, all that stuff. They scored decently well. They just couldn't get stops to make the real dent. And then with 4.04 to go, down 23, they pulled the starters on timeout, and that was definitely the time to do that. It was over at that point. You bring in uh, Bruno and Goodwin and Skylar Mays and that crew, and actually won the last four minutes by five points. So that, make, that makes the deficit look a little bit better. You, you lose by less than 20. It was 23 when those, when those guys came in. They ended up losing by 18, so a small win from the garbage time units. But uh, overall, the Hawks, <laughs> offensively, I'll be positive first. Offensively, the Hawks were pretty decent in this game. They weren't incredible by any means, but they scored about 1.12 points per possession, which is about their average for the season. So they did a pretty decent job. They didn't do a great job offensively. They didn't shoot it incredibly well. In fact, for as hot as the Hawks were, and as I, said, I think I said this before on the podcast, but um, in the last four before tonight, so to start April, the four-game winning streak, the Hawks shot 50% from three. They were 58 of 116 as a team, which is crazy hot. And then they opened this night 8 of 12 from 3. So, at that point, there were 66 of 128 in almost four and a half games. That is unsustainable, obviously. It was always going to cool off, but then it happened right away. Um, they were 2 of 16 the rest of the game from 3. So, it, yeah, that, that doesn't give it all back. They still have the pretty good numbers for April, but um, they definitely fell off a cliff at that point in time with their shooting, and that cost them um, some valuable real estate offensively. At the same time, they had seven turnovers for the game. That's really good, actually. They had 26 assists. That's pretty good, too. But they only got to lie 15 times. That's less than they, they would normally do that. So, again, this is not an offensive loss. The Hawks did enough offensively to compete. Uh, maybe not win every night, but certainly compete. Uh, it was a defense that gave them fits and starts in this game. So, a about a 130 defensive rating for Atlanta. That is obviously quite bad. Um, it was not a hugely fast-paced game. I had to give up 131 and a relatively slow-paced game. And with a bunch of garbage time, the Grizzlies probably could have scored uh, 140-plus had they been pedaled to the medal in the fourth. Memphis scored 20, 21 points in the fourth quarter because they were not really pushing it. So, yeah, it was pretty ugly defensively. The Grizzlies were hot, as I said before. 17-40 um, of 40 from three. That's better than they, they would shoot normally, for sure. 
uh, 30 assists for Memphis, and they also won the glass. Not a ton, but they were, with Valanciunas in the middle, they had good size, and they out-rebounded the Hawks, uh, albeit slightly in this game, at least on the percentage basis, they definitely did, you know, they, they took more shots as well. So they, 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 as you said, they took fewer shots than the Hawks did because the Hawks had so many fewer, fewer free throws and fewer turnovers. Um, but still, Memphis was awesome. Um, true shooting-wise, 67% for the game, 54% from the floor. Bad defense from the Hawks. It was not all that. Like, Grayson Allen has 30 and was pretty hot. John Moran had that one stretch where he was pretty hot as a team. Like guys who's not guys who are not great. Like Dylan Brooks, three of five from three, for instance. Tyus Jones, two of two. John Contrar, two of three. Uh, you know, there was some noise in there, but the Hawks did play very poorly on the defensive end of the floor. And it's hard to win when that happens. Um, all right, before we get to the rest of the podcast, some individual breakdowns and some uh, a look at the standings, etc. A word from our sponsors on the podcast today, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is spectacular, and if anything, it's more delicious than ever. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors that we've been talking about for quite some time on the podcast. That includes options with or without nuts, and it also features some of my personal favorites like lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream. Each and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're also soft and easy to chew, making the entire experience all that much better. And Built Bar is also great if you're trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while enjoying something that tastes absolutely incredible. Built Bar is also low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. My personal favorite, as i said a number of times, is cookies and cream, and the profile there from the health perspective is awesome. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. It is a fantastic time to check out BuiltBar.com. Yes, that's BuiltBar.com. If you go there right now, you have 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. If you use that promo code, once again, it's LOCKED15. That's 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. Check it all out. There's plenty to check out at BuiltBar.com, and I recommend all the flavors. You can find it all at BuiltBar.com, and you can try BuiltBar today. One more time, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football is not happening right now, and I understand that's a lot of people's favorite thing to bet on in the sports world, but there are plenty of other options, including the NBA, of course. You have the NHL, auto racing, golf, tennis, MMA, college sports, everything you can imagine you can find it at betonline.ag. And BetOnline even covers awards, entertainment bets, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline also has real-time updated odds and all kinds of props on almost anything you can imagine. Props are really fun to get into the sports betting world if you've not tried it before. And on top of that, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and the odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website now at betonline.ag or use mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That is 50% and a welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, as always, we'll talk about the individual breakdown in this game, kind of how everybody played up and down the Hawks roster. The two guys who only played garbage time are Bruno Fernando and Skylar Mays. Mays had a nice drive and finish for a three-point play. That was the highlight there. Bruno, I actually thought he might play in this game because of the matchup. Um, Memphis is, especially with Valanciunas on the floor, um, is pretty big. And I thought that they might go with Fernando, at least for one look, physically. That didn't happen in this game. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that kind of just speaks to the fact that he's kind of buried in the rotation. Uh, probably rightly so overall, but um, I thought they might try that. They didn't do that, and Mays was uh, behind Goodwin in this game. Uh, Goodwin actually played the least minutes of the guys who actually played in the rotation. Nine minutes for BG, three points, four assists, three rebounds. 
I think he only played in the first half in terms of the competitive portion of this game, but he started the second quarter in that small ball lineup. Um, one of five from the floor is the only uh, sort of negative there. It was, at least it was one of one from three. He actually missed all four of his two-point attempts, but four assists and was at least pretty active in this spot. Uh, Tony Snell, 19 minutes, uh, had nine points on perfect shooting uh, in perfect Tony Snell fashion. One of one on twos, two of two on threes, one of one from the free throw line, <laughs> two rebounds and assist. Uh, I don't think he was great, but he shot the ball well as he has been all year long. Um, Nathan Knight, 19 minutes off the bench as the backup center, nine points, four rebounds, an assist, a steal, minus six in 19 minutes. It was four of eight from the floor, O of one from three. Like I said before, energy was good from Knight. Defensively, it was an adventure. Obviously, he being you know him being asked to be the primary rim protector as a center right now is just not going to be. Um, sustainable, like, you can't have that happen, honestly. I don't I know why they did it, because lack of options in this game, but I think they know that Knight's not a primary center um, defensively right now. It's kind of an adventure anyway for him defensively, and then you throw in the fact that he's playing with guys who, uh, you know, sort of not in their normal roles, and you're playing him alongside Tony Snell, who's more of a three, obviously, than a four, and yeah, a lot of task, a lot was tasked to Knight defensively, and it did not go well in this game. But offensively, lots of juice, couple dunks, and uh, a fun experience overall. And then Lou Williams, kind of quiet, not like terrible, but just quiet. 13 points. Did have uh, 12 shot attempts, though, so it wasn't like he was terribly efficient. And no assists, two turnovers, no rebounds, no steals, no blocks. It was a uh, weird game for Lou. It wasn't like he was bad. It's just kind of a strange one. Then defensively, he was exploited, especially in that third quarter at times. Um, to the starters, not not a ton of like fantastic efforts. We'll save a couple of good ones for the end. Kevin Herter was okay. Um they, they kind of tasked him with guarding John Morant, which actually went pretty well in the first half, and then not so well after, after halftime, which is predictable. I mean, people were asking me why he was guarding John Morant. If, if you look up and down the roster at what they decided to do with the lineup here, the guy who is the best matchup for John Morant that was active tonight is Brendan Goodwin. But you're playing him sparingly, obviously. And then with the starting group, they elected to go with the guys that have been starting the last handful of games, which is Trey Young, Bogdanovich, and Herter. Of those three guys, Herter is the best option on John Morant. Is it a good option? Not really. But, you know, if you're choosing one guy to guard him on, on that starting five, it probably has to be Herter, and that's a tough job for him. But he did okay in the first half, not so much in the second half. Anyway, 13 points on 13 shots, not what you want there, but not awful. Four assists, five rebounds, uh, was actually the best plus-minus of the starters. He was actually only minus eight, quote-unquote, in this game, but uh, not, not not his best necessarily. Solomon Hill, four of nine from the floor, one of five from three, but he was three of four on twos. Uh, six rebounds, two steals, and an assist. Had a couple, like, no-hope shots around the rim. Defensively, he competes, though. I think team defense stuff is pretty good for him, but individually, he can be exploited, and he was not incredible either in this game. Obviously, it goes without saying that Hill is overextended right now. The Hawks did not sign Solomon Hill to play 29 minutes in a game, uh, but that's kind of where they had to be tonight because they were so short-handed with the four guys in the front court out of the lineup. Um, Akongwu, I thought, again, was really good in the first half. Not as, not as good in the second half, for sure, but finished well around the rim for the most part. 13 points, 11 rebounds to lead the team. Both of those career highs for him. Had two blocks, a couple of nice highlight plays. Um, 32 minutes is a career high for Colin as well. He was definitely able to sort of sustain and be out there anyway. Um, conditioning, not, not a problem necessarily, but, uh, you know, not his best. And again, definitely, uh, I just after have halftime. Matchup-wise, it's tough. Uh there was a thought that I had, I Glenn Willis said this on, on Twitter, and I agree with him on some level, that it would have almost made sense to start Bruno, as funny as that is, because Okongwu, you know, it's not like Valanciunas is Joel Embiid, but he's a bad matchup for Okongwu, um, especially right now in the rookie version of Okongwu. 
having him play against a legit seven footer who really offensive rebounds and he's huge and physical and um, McMillan credited the Grizzlies for all their physicality throughout the game. That was definitely the case. And Okongwu did a good job in the first half, and then the second half, not as, good, not, not as well. So, you know, I think overall a pretty good night for him. But he it, it does it does also remind you that Capella is, you know, leaps and bounds better than everybody else on the team defensively. Okongwu is not prepared right now to be like a full-blown solo anchor on a defense. Which is not what you should. I mean, he's a he's a rookie. He's all, you know, it's what happens. Uh, even the guy, I think his defensive talent is really noticeable and really impressive. And I think long term, he really he'll be really good defensively. But he's not going to be able to carry you right now in the way that Capella often is. So we'll leave that there for now. And in the backcourt, uh, Trey Young, fourteen points, a team high eleven assists, but was not efficient at all in this game. Six of seventeen from the floor, zero of four from three. Um, did it, did limit his turnovers in this game? Only two, which is good. I thought he was pretty bad. I know he had 11 assists, um, and he, he definitely does. He, he had a couple of really like, impressive highlight passes because he always does. He's such a good passer that that isn't a surprise. But I think especially in the third quarter, his defense was back to rookie level bad in that quarter. Um, and then overall in the game, just not efficient, and I think he was kind of just out of it. He got frustrated with the officiating at one point. McMillan said that. He didn't mention the trade by name, but I think that was definitely, if I'm reading that, I think it was applies to everyone, but definitely, definitely applies to Trey. Frustration and kind of overwhelmed and uh, just didn't play well at all. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to pile on. He still got his numbers to some extent, but he was minus twenty, and defensively it was a it was definitely an adventure for Trey in this game. And then McDonovich was the uh, leading scorer with twenty four points, but even him he was not a crazy efficient. Nine of twenty from the floor. Um, I believe that's his season high for shot attempts. Um, four of eight from three. Didn't get to the line for two two free throws. He was the only guy that made. Um, uh, actually, no, sorry, Snell and. Bogdanovich made multiple threes, and they were at least sufficient doing it. But, you know, uh, Bogdanovich, I thought he was good. He was the best player on offense in this game, pretty clearly, for Atlanta. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? We'll leave it there now. Again, not not a disaster loss. It was They were due for one of these on some level, but uh, not a great performance overall. To the standings before we get out of here on this fine Wednesday late in the night. And I'm I, My apologies if I'm, if I'm a little bit all over the place. Uh, it's been quite a long couple of weeks, and I'm not sleeping very well right now, but alas. Um, Standings-wise, the Hornets won tonight um, on the road in OKC, so they're now tied with the Hawks with this loss. Um, they're tied for the four seed, so still in perfectly fine shape for Atlanta. Um, Miami also had the night off. They're, they're actually a half game behind, so they're uh, solo sixth right now, but it's still a jumbled mess in the East. So there isn't a whole lot to like take away right now. The Hawks are still in good shape, but the gap between that four or five series and having to be in the play-in uh, at number seven is exactly one game right now. So there is some flexibility here. I would feel very good if I'm a Hawks fan about the Hawks being in the top seven somewhere at the end of the season, because uh, Miami is six and Boston is seven. I would be surprised if anyone below that caught the Hawks without some serious injury issues which they obviously have, but even even worse injury issues because, you know, right now the Hawks are two games ahead of the Knicks, three games ahead of the Pacers, four and a half ahead of the Bulls, and six and a half ahead of the Raptors. And the Hawks are better than those teams, um, maybe with the exception of the Raptors, but the Raptors are six and a half games behind the Hawks, so uh, that's a heck of a head start with, you know, one-third of the season left. So, anyway, the Hawks are in really good shape overall in the playoff stance standpoint, and uh, this one loss is not going to affect that. Anyway... Um, the next game for the Hawks will be on Friday against Chicago. A interesting team in a lot of ways. The Bulls are 
at this moment um, with Vucevic now on board. And they kind of had a rough start when he arrived. They, they've won their last two games. They actually play Toronto on Thursday. So that'll be happening between now and when they come to Atlanta. And that's a good reminder that the Bulls are on a back-to-back when they come to Atlanta on Friday, and the Hawks will be on full rest. So that's an advantage for the Hawks. Also, it's an 8 o'clock start again. This is an 8 o'clock start tonight on Wednesday. Um, that's because of COVID testing, I believe. So that's the reason why it's an 8 o'clock, sort of a late local start. But that's coming in the future. I think I'm probably going to have a podcast between now and then, but I'm not going to guarantee it on this podcast. Um, at the very least, I'll be back after the game on Friday. Please subscribe to the show. Please tell a friend about the podcast. Check out Mocha Ultra. Check out Built Bar. Check out BetOnline.ag. All of our sponsors, you can find that in the show notes as well for more information. And uh, sincerely, thank you for listening to the podcast. We will see you all at the very latest after the game on Friday.